welcome to this episode of the Biblical Theology I'm your host, Matt Harmon, joined in our virtual studio by my good friend, Ben Glad. Ben, what's going on? Let me tell you what, it's about 95 degrees outside, <laughs> yet it's about 35 degrees inside. So <laughs> I have well, a jacket on, I'm burning up, or it's, I'm, I'm freezing now, but yeah. you know, I can feel the heat radiating off the window. <laughs> Well, this is only the seventh episode we've recorded, and this is the fourth different location that you have been in to record the podcast here. So you're, I'm assuming that's your new office in the new uh, RTS building, yeah? Yes, this is part of, this is my new digs. Uh, it is terrific. My office is huge. Don't tell anybody. It is the nicest. Uh, the, this, this campus has the nicest offices of any of the RTS campuses. It is <laughs> something else. I, I do not want, I would show you what it looks like, but I'm afraid that somebody would get jealous. So well, I thought, didn't you post pictures? Didn't you post pictures? On, I did. On I did. I forgot. Facebook I, did or Insta? That. I can't remember. I did. It looks, yeah. yeah, it looks, it's impressive. really nice. It's yeah. really, really nice. And you should see Ligon. You should see his. Man, he's got a whole library thing set up. It is tremendous. Is he? Tr- he's trying to compete with Al Mohler, basically. Ah, uh, yeah, but you know that's Al Mohler. <laughs> you know yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, this is the first time we've recorded since like April because both of us have been crazy busy with the end of the school year and then the or first half of the summer here. So, why don't you tell the listeners what you've been up to so far this summer? Man, what have I been doing this summer? So we went to Grand Rapids last week for July 4th. I always count it a bonus if I come back with all my fingers. So I'm happy. Do you see all my all my 10 fingers? All 10. Here? Yep, they're there. Every time every time I tell my class, I said we, we I call it a digit check. So before <laughs> July 4th, we all they all, they all show me their fingers. And then when we come back, I want I they show me their hands again. So yeah, so I have all 10 fingers. Had a great time. My kids have been doing lots of tennis, which is fun. Um, yeah, do yeah. I mean, just sort of going here and there, getting a lot of work done at school. A little bit of writing, a little bit of teaching, getting ready for the fall. So, what about you? Are you have you gone anywhere? Well, in the time since we've recorded, I took two trips to Europe. Uh, that's amazing. So you <laughs> yeah. went to you went so, to where? Yeah, so at the uh, right after school ended, I led a grace a trip of grace students, and we went to London and Brussels for about two weeks. All right, I saw so, all those pictures. That's right, I remember yeah, this yep. now. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, and was that pretty amazing? Yeah, it was great. It was great. Um, I mean, I I love London. I love I love the UK. Um, but I will say the food in Brussels, the waffles was amazing. were out of the park amazing. So, so British food, there's a reason why we don't have British food in the States. <laughs> Is that right? Isn't that right? Yes. Yes. I mean, there's Irish food. You know, you get some Irish food a little bit. But as far as like, you know, London and, you know, I mean, fish and chips would be, well, I guess, the closest thing. But Yep. Or some bangers and mash. But. Some bangers and mash is fine, but I mean the funny thing is I, I we have we actually have a Brit living with us right now, um, oh. who just got hired as our worship 
pastor at our church. So he moved to the Has States. He had Chick-fil-A. Term. Has he had Chick-fil-A oh, at yeah. this point? Yeah, he, he actually did his, he, he did a MDiv at Southern. So he's lived in the States. Oh, okay. But okay, okay. he moved here from the UK because he went okay. back to the UK after he did his degree. Anyway, he basically said, yeah, the national food of, of England is Indian food. Like that's basically. <laughs> <laughs> Which I love Indian food. I really do. But isn't that amazing? So, yeah. Yeah. You don't, you don't go there for the food necessarily. No. No. So came back from that trip, was home two weeks, and then uh, went back. So Kate and I went. Uh, oh, to Tyndale. You went to Tyndale. Well, Kate, first Kate and I went to uh, Edinburgh right. and then London. Right. right. And then uh, she connected with uh, a tour group that's coming through from the school she teaches at and went off to Paris and Barcelona. Mm. While I went up to to Cambridge and was at Tyndale House for the rest of that time, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. yeah, it was great. It was great. Man, you had your own desk. I saw a picture of your desk there. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Yeah, it was great. It's amazing. So, and then came back, was home a few days from that, and then we went on a little extended weekend in Kentucky with Kate's family, and so we're officially done traveling. Like no more. <laughs> we're done for ten years. Yeah. Never again. So, wow. but no, it's been good. good but that, yeah, I mean, you would love to be at, uh, to go to Tyndale House. At some point, you gotta you got you gotta make the trip. So, yeah, it's on my list. I was invited to go a couple years ago and participate in a group out there. I just didn't have the time. It's hard when you have when you have smaller kids and it's difficult yep. to, to get away and For you sure. know, take the wife. And but they're getting older now. They're getting more self sufficient. And uh, we're re- we finally reached the point where we don't have to get a babysitter to go out. Yeah, it's so nice. it's amazing. Yeah, it's I don't have to pay the iPad anything to babysit my kids. So <laughs> that's right. You know, it's a it's an amazing thing. For sure, for sure. So yeah, that gives a little bit. And then you started up uh, you started up Summer Greek there at RTS, right? Summer Greek. Yeah, we started Summer Greek at the end of June, and so this is week five out of eight. And we've had just a great time. I switched textbooks and I'm using the Benjamin Merkel and Robert Plummer beginning with New Testament Greek. It's a B&H yeah. volume. That's we affectionately kind of refer to that as, to the, uh, we call that Ben and Bob around here at, at Grace. Ben since and we Bob. Use the same text, That's ben good. I need to use that Ben and Bob. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Yeah. It's a really good textbook. I'm thankful it for is. it. So I'm hoping I'm hoping it'll work out um, into the future as well. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah. So uh, we should remind people that uh, this podcast is part of the Confessional Podcast Network, a network of podcasts that seeks to explain and apply biblical truth. So you're welcome to check out some of the other podcasts that are affiliated with that. But uh, our topic for today is. We're going to talk about our favorite volumes, or as Ben prefers, some of our favorite volumes in the uh, New Studies in Biblical Theology series uh, edited by uh, D.A. Carson. And um, yeah, I think, we're, I think we're up to 60 volumes now, I think, that have been published. I'm, sh- I'm sure there's another, you know, 7 to 10 in the pipeline at some stage at this point. Right. Uh, 
62. 62 is the okay. number. The next one, 62, go. I believe, comes out in October. Okay. Yeah. That's a lot. So, that's a lot. That's more than that's more than five. Yeah. <laughs> it's all, 62, <laughs> yes. 62 yeah. is a lot. Yeah. We're not math majors, but we know that 62 <laughs> is more than five. So. 62 is more. <laughs> I mean, if, it, it's hard to get a sense of the <laughs> scope of the series because it's incomparable to other series because yeah. it's so big and, and it's, it, we, I struggle at least comparing it to, well, it kind of reminds me of this series or that series because these other series are be five, five, five volumes or maybe 10 volumes or maybe 15 volumes or, yeah. But this has just gone, you know, it started contracts were issued in the mid nineties, the volume started coming out in the late nineties and here we are 2023 and they are still coming out. So yeah, for 25, really, so for 25 years, it's amazing. Yeah. It was really kind of on the, I'd say on the front end of some of the Renaissance of biblical theology in terms of, and, and actually I think then contributed to the accelerated interest in biblical theology as these volumes uh, came out and people saw the kind of, uh, scholarship that was being done and uh, the the value it had for how to read the Bible, how to put things together, how to understand the storyline, how to understand different books of the Bible, how to track themes across the canon, those sorts of things. Um, and it was one of my, I think it was really one of my first exposures to deep, good, robust biblical theology that probably helped fuel my own love for this whole area yeah i mean i would have the same comment and but think too and i wonder if if carson saw this in fact i learned that this was not carson's idea uh ivp had approached don about mm-hmm. about doing something like this they probably weren't thinking 60 plus volumes <laughs> yeah but they wanted to do something like this and and don agreed that that was a good idea and so he event so he he undertook it uh, what, what I think really led to a contributing factor, as you mentioned, not only did this serve as a catalyst of sorts to the explosion of biblical theology, but the first few volumes were, are really, really good. Mm-hmm. And so I think it was a combination of, Hey, this is a set that's doing something unique combined yep. with, Oh, and these volumes are tremendous. Like you have Dempster, in Beale at the beginning of this. And there are some other ones that are too, that are early volumes that are really setting kind of the trajectory for all of it. Um, yeah. And I think, I think some of the, uh, e- even today, 20 years later, um, it's still in the wake of those initial volumes. Yeah. Well, and it's, I mean, I suppose it's possible, but it's hard for me to envision the other series of biblical theology that that are out there really existing without the prominence of this one. Like, you know, you, the series that you edit, the Essential Studies in Biblical Theology, Crossways, uh, Short Studies in Biblical Theology. Um, I think Zondervan's got one that's called like, Biblical Theology one. for Life. Like, right. I, really, it was when people saw the 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 value and the and really the success of these, 
mm-hmm. and then saw, hey, mm-hmm. there's something to this biblical theology thing that created more of an appetite for publishers to say, hey, we're open to having some other series uh, of biblical theology books, maybe that have a slightly different scope or slightly different target audience or things like that. Right. Uh, we're coming up with 30 year edition so, or 30 year uh, anniversary. It was the first volume was was published in in ninety five by by Peterson, and I know that mm-hmm. IVP has thought about what does a relaunch look like. What you know, how does that how does that work? Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it's a marvel. It's a marvel at at how not only did it do something unique, but then it creates all these other projects around it. ESBT, which I do, and the short studies with Dane Orland and Miles, what what they do as well, and these other little ones. And, you know, there there were, so here's another one. What was the name of the set? So there was a Zonervan. Zonervan did these like quasi God at Sinai with Niehaus, which is really good. Mm -hmm. Longman and Reed, God is a Warrior. They kind of had things like that early on, yeah. And it just, it, for whatever reason, they just weren't. And this is at the same time, Niehaus got at Sinai in the mid '90s, hmm. and so this series kind of died out. Israel's divine healer, Michael Brown, again, right around this time. So it's 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 interesting to see similar series to try to do that, but they just were yeah. not able to to do what 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 Carson pulled off. Yeah, for sure. So uh, the the impetus for this for this topic was uh, just to make sure we give credit where credit is due. The, uh, a couple weeks ago, I saw uh, Ched Spellman tweet out a list of his five favorite NSBT volumes, and I thought that's a good topic for Ben and I to discuss. And, um, I, in, in our pre-show conversation, you were, you were quite, um, unsettled by having to try to pick your five favorites as, as if you're concerned that they're like, they're like your children and you can't say, I like this one more than the other one kind of thing. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's like asking what's your favorite food? Well, how am I feeling that day? Did I yeah. just have Mexican last night? If I did, I'm not going to say Mexican today or <laughs> movies. I mean, uh, you know, I, I'm really terrible. Like, give me your three favorite things or your five. It's always going to be context. What, how am I feeling? What do I, you know, so right now you say, what are your favorites? I'm like, here are the ones that I think right now, but tomorrow it may change. I don't know. Okay, well, now that we put that qualifier on your list, that this list only applies to today, tomorrow it could be completely different. <laughs> that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And that's funny. That's funny. That's funny. All right. So uh, how about we go back and forth? How about that? I'll, I'll you give go one. first. I want you to go. But I'm not, I'm going to tell you, please just put this claim. These are not in order. These are. Okay. Just what hit me. They hit me. Okay. Because I don't know if okay. I can say this is it. This is just okay. what this is, I'm just kind of getting warmed up here. So you give me, you go first. <laughs> well, I am going to start with my favorite. Uh, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to have the hot take of 
this is oh, my favorite. Oh, and I, and I'm, oh, I'm, 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 oh, I'm all in on this one. Oh, yeah, so, apparently. I'm all in. Oh, all right, okay. here we go. The, the big okay. reveal. My favorite one. So in at number Let's one, Let's do it's it. Stephen Dempster's Dominion and Dynasty. I knew you were going to say it. I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think why? You, why is why are you going all in? Why is that your number one? So I think if you were to ask me to come up with a list of the most influential books that have shaped how I read the Bible, mm. Mm. Dempster would be at the top of the list here. Mm-hmm. Like when I read this, it was just so incredibly eye-opening at how he blends both a sort of biblical, theological, and a canonical reading, tracking the development of the promises made to uh, Abraham. And he does it in such a compelling way. And the fact, and this was this was really my first exposure, I think, to um, the difference it makes if you read the Old Testament in the Hebrew canonical order as opposed mm-hmm. to the mm-hmm. uh, Protestant canonical order that we have in our English Bibles. That was the first time I saw that and thought, oh, I see how it makes a difference. It does show you some different things that maybe you don't see if you follow the order in our English Bibles. Can you give me one little like, give me one little insight. Give me, give me, give me a little nugget. Here. <laughs> well, I mean, even just his his summary of the promise to Abraham in that in in the title, dominion and dynasty, mm-hmm. or he also throws in there land and line, or genealogy mm-hmm. and geography. Mm-hmm. Um, those are just such helpful little phrases that can be used. Obviously, they need unpacked and explained and that sort of thing. But when you when you can help someone see if you understand the Abrahamic promise as dominion and dynasty and how all these other things flow from that are connected to that. It helps, I think, simplify without being simplistic, what can seem like, you know, the complex promises that God makes to Abraham in terms of how they expand and how they, you know, develop and that sort of thing. So um, to me, that's, that's something that's uh, stuck with me uh, ever since I read it. And so I've how long reread ago, it. How long times. ago did you read that? How long ago? Uh, I'm guessing the first time I read that was probably, well, it would have been before I started at Wheaton. So before 2000, well, no, wait, when did it come out? When did it come out? It came out in 2003. So right after it came out, probably. Yeah. So right when it, near when it came out there. Yeah. And that was just hugely influential in understanding how the Bible fits together. Mm-hmm. And what I, it's, it's been fun ahead. to get to, to, you know, down the road, actually get to interact with him a little bit and get to know him a little bit personally. Mm-hmm. He's a, he's, he's a, great oh, guy, he's so. a great guy. Just a great guy. His, his book, he wrote a book for the ESBT that is not out. It'll be out in the f- late, late fall, early, early spring. And uh, it's, it's really, really good. It's on Kingdom, and um, it's it's tremendous. I, I yeah. thoroughly enjoyed it. He's just just a really, really nice guy. He's one of those guys where, when you meet him, 
you you just you're like the book is even you even think more highly mm-hmm. of the book. Yeah. Some people you meet and you're like, well, the book's not that good. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably yeah. one of those people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's always that disappointment of, Oh, there's always the disappointment. Oh, yeah. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you never pick the book up again. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <clears throat> So, yeah, that's where I started. Um, but uh, so, yeah, I'm going to pass it to you now. It doesn't have to be your absolute favorite. Again, we're qualifying it. Just start Top with five. one of your favorites. Top five. Okay. All right. Okay, what do you here's got? one. Here's one. So I went on sabbatical about five years ago. And during my sabbatical, I read a couple of these NSBT volumes. One of the ones that I read, which I just thoroughly enjoyed, is Acts of the Risen Lord Jesus mm. by Alan Thompson. It came out in 2011. Yep. yep. So it's about 12 years old. It is. Have you have you read this volume, Matt? It's in my top five. Yep. It's tremendous. Yeah. What I like about it, it makes Acts... It, it doesn't overturn the traditional reading of Acts or overturn. It enhances it. It enriches it. He argues that the book of Acts unfolds sim- precisely because of what Jesus has done in the cross and resurrection and how the pouring out of the Spirit is the result of Jesus' success. So it's yeah. able to sort of pull Luke and Acts together mm-hmm. and make wonderful so it 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 highlights jesus resurrection it connects jesus resurrection to the pouring out of the spirit um yeah we could go on and on about these things but it's a very good read it's a refreshing read it's um attuned to the use of the old testament in acts he also wrote alan thompson also wrote the use of the old testament in acts in the forthcoming dictionary that i edited Hmm. Uh, with yeah. Baker and his and his essay on Acts is quite good, so he's I'm all in on Alan Thompson. I I have a lot of respect for him and yeah. I'm very thankful for his work. So it that is on my top five, it, as it is as yours as well, right? Yeah, and I, for me, part of what you know, there's this little phrase at the beginning of the book of Acts where Luke basically says uh, all that Jesus began to do, referring back to right. 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 The gospel of Luke. Yeah. It's not all that Jesus did as if it's like, right. OK, it's it's done. So, you know, the, yeah. Luke is about what Jesus did. And now uh, Acts is about what the spirit does. No, it's he began to do it, it's indicating. And this is a continuation. He's still doing of what it. He's, doing. he's still, he's still doing working. It. Yeah, he's still working. Right. Yeah. So right. I remember I read through this with a group of guys. I, most summers I do like a, a summer reading group with some guys in the area where we pick an NSBT volume and, and read through it. And this was certainly one of the best ones we ever picked to read through in a summer. I probably read this maybe around the same time you did about five, six years ago. It came out. Yeah. When did it come out? 2011. So not right when it came Good. out, but yeah. So, um, and I agree with you about Alan Thompson, by the way, he, he also did the, uh, in um, B&H's uh, Exegetical Guide to the Greek New Testament, he mm-hmm. did the volume on Luke, mm-hmm. and it's really good as well. Mm-hmm. So um, he's, he's a guy that can fly a little bit under the radar, I think, 
in some mm-hmm. circles, and maybe in part because mm-hmm. he's an Aussie and, um, you know, he's not, a, not here in the States to hit the circuit. Uh, but, uh, yeah, highly, highly recommend that. So it's very good. Very good. It's your turn. All right. All right. So, uh, I mean, I, I know this is on your list, so it's just a matter of let's just, let's just fit it in here. Um, I, I'm going with, uh, Greg Beals, the temple and the church's mission. The huge. Now, the huge. This, this thing is, uh, unique in a, in a variety of different ways. One is, is that it's the by size, far, the size, <laughs> by far the biggest contribution to the, uh, to, to the series it, it it tips the scales at over 400 pages and it's you know when you look at them all on the shelf up there it's like you know okay kind of skinny you know medium size whoa that one's fat you know it's just... <laughs> but um i mean uh so this came out in 2004 when we were at wheaton together yes. with beal yes yes he was, he was all about the temple then. I mean, oh, he man. still is about the temple. But he, if you thought he's about the temple now, oh. you should have seen him during those days. And I remember <laughs> Doug Moo and everybody was always like, yeah. taught, saying like, oh, all you do is talk about the temple. Yeah. And da, 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 da. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, hey, Greg, this thing has three different parts to its structure. Is that a reference to the temple? <laughs> yeah. Probably, like, probably, probably. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's, I mean, it is, uh, arguably the most extensive, uh, treatment of the subject. And, um, you know, I, I think for me, it was just super eye opening in terms of making the case for Eden and the original creation, uh, having, uh, you know, being structured like a temple, the, 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 the tripartite structure of the, of, of, of creation and Adam as a priest and uh, all of that. And it was also my first exposure probably to the extent to which um, second temple Jewish literature Mm -hmm. uh, helps us see interpretive trends that are uh, illuminating for understanding how the biblical authors themselves may have understood things. So, um, but yeah, it's, it, I, I love recommending this to people, but it's always with the caveat of, you know, it's, it's, it's not the easiest of reads. Right. <laughs> it's a bit dense. It's robust. It's robust. Yes. Well, can, can, can Beal, I mean, he can do it, but it feels like it's painful for him to produce anything less than a 400 page book. I mean, <laughs> I mean, he just, he came out with, uh, his, uh, union, oh, well, union. His union with the risen Christ oh. book, uh, you know, which, which is a sequel to his, uh, new Testament theology. So his new Testament theology is like a, a thousand pages long. And right. then, and then the sequel is another 500 pages because as he puts it in the intro, yeah, there were some things I didn't quite fully connect as closely <laughs> as I thought I wanted to. And so here's another 500 pages. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So yeah. What about or you? his, what? or his Colossians commentary, <laughs> you know, Colossians isn't exactly the biggest book in the new Testament and his commentary is pretty, pretty thick. Yeah. No, yeah, it's, it's, sure. it's, it's yeah, 
in any case, let me look at my list here. Let me look at my list. What? Oh, Morales. I got to go with my buddy Morales' volume. Yeah. Who shot then? The Mountain of the Lord. For sure, that is in my top five. Um, mm-hmm. I read that. I can't remember how many years. Maybe a year or two after <laughs> it came out. And it is a... Let me just get this right. What year? It came out in... Uh, 2015. 2015. Yeah. 2015. And um, it's the second largest NSPT. <laughs> yeah. So something, so there's that. Yeah. It's not short. No, it's like a baby it's beetle. Very, <laughs> it's a baby, it's a baby beetle. And in fact, it really is in a number of different ways. Yeah. It's very Belian. You know, he's all into Eden as a temple. In fact, he did mm-hmm. his dissertation on mountains and sanctuaries. And so he loves that kind of thing. It's also very much into holistic and literary readings of Leviticus, understanding how the whole book works together. But what mm-hmm. I found fascinating, and I had not considered this before reading Morales's volume, is how Leviticus relates to the Pentateuch as a whole. Mm-hmm. He argues... I think he may be right. I, I, yeah, it, I don't know. He argues that Leviticus, in fact, not just Leviticus itself, but the Day of Atonement is mm-hmm. the center of the Pentateuch. Yeah, very interesting. I, I, I don't know if I'm fully there yet, but yeah. it, at the least, he's saying it's exceptionally important. Whether or not it's the mm-hmm. center, maybe, maybe not, but it's at least very important. And then he goes on to just make so many wonderful observations and connections. And that's a book, and I don't often say this, but that's a book when I would say, I wish the author would just keep going and going and going Mm -hmm. because there are so many connections he could even make even in the New Testament side of things. So he, for example, he talks just a couple paragraphs about, and I try to pick up some of this in my volume uh, that I'm working on now. Um, but he, he argues how sacrifices, they cleanse, obviously, the temple. They cleanse people. But because the temple itself is a model of the cosmos, that means that the cosmos must be cleansed. Do you see? Mm. Yep. Therefore, he then argues, he then argues, and just a, like a paragraph right in there, he send, says, this anticipates an eschatological cleansing of the cosmos. Mm-hmm. And that right there has not been worked out. I would love to see more work there. And I'm trying to do some of that, but it's, those are the sorts of things. And, and what I yeah. like about Morales, and this is very true of Beale, is that they're both very creative. Yeah. They're orthodox, they're traditional in that sense. But yet they're also very creative thinkers and writers, and I'm and I'm thankful for that because they go where the text leads them. Yet they're still confessional and orthodox. Mm-hmm. And so, so yeah, yeah, that would be my my two cents there. Yeah, that was also on my list. Um, and I think, uh, you know, we, we already mentioned uh, Thompson's book on the Acts of the Risen Lord, uh, but <clears throat> this one, I if if someone's going to preach Leviticus which let's be honest, not many people do because it's just, it's, you know, it's, it's, intimi- it's intimidating. You're like, what am I supposed to do yeah. with all these chapters about, you know, slitting the throats of animals and, and, you know, all that sort of stuff. But uh, man, I think if you, I think if people read this book, 
they're going to want to preach or teach Leviticus. Right. That Good. It's, it's right. so it's compelling and it helps you see the, the logic of Leviticus by itself, but also how it fits within the larger scope of the canon. And like you said, um, I, I think this book, uh, is is one where I'm like, okay, I, I think I could, I, I would have given him more space to be like, if you want yeah. to expand on that, go yes. for it, you know? Yes. That's pretty rare. Yes. Right. Yes. Right. But um, we should probably point out he's, he, he's written other stuff. I mean, he wrote a volume in the, uh, in your ESBT series on yeah. Exodus and right. uh, Exodus right. and new Exodus. That's really good. Right. And he's also got some other stuff in the works. So um we will get to see more of his work and he's, he is uh, such a good scholar and a good mm-hmm. dude as well. So great a lot of guy. Fun to hang out with him. Great yeah. guy. Yeah. Great guy. And there are not many, this is so sad, but there are just not many good creative Orthodox old Testament scholars out there. I, mm-hmm. I very, very few of them. Most of them get the, the move tends to be either to go into linguistics only or to just not really spend much time with holistic texts. And I think that he's just, he's just one of a few people, unfortunately. I mean, if I'm a, if I'm a PhD student or thinking about doing PhD studies, I'm, you know, I'm going, I want to be like that guy. I want to be, you know, a guy who can do narrative, who can do, good A&E and Jewish work and yet mm-hmm. careful with the text and being creative, biblical theology, those sorts of things. It's just a great, he's, he's a great example of, of what can and what should be done. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. <clears throat> it's your All turn. Right. Yep. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, you've taken two of mine, so, you know, not, probably not surprising, <laughs> but um well, the next one I'm going with is uh, Brian Rosner's book, Paul and the Law, Keeping the Commandments of God. I thought you may go there. I thought you may go there. Yeah. So, you know, obviously this is a highly debated uh, subject area, to say the least. And the, you know, the, the production of books on Paul and the Law uh, knows no end. And um, but part of what's helpful about what Rosner does is he he uses these uh, he uses four categories that I think are super helpful in thinking through how Paul interacts with the law. So he uses uh, the categories of repudiation, where he basically says, um, "Yeah, that's done away with." He uses the category of replacement, so something in the new covenant replaces the law. Then he uses two categories reappropriation as prophecy. So seeing in the law uh, something that is prophetically pointing forward to greater realities and then reappropriation as wisdom. So giving guidance for the life of the believer. So I just think those are four very useful categories as you're interacting with, okay, what is Paul doing with the law here? I think those are just very useful starting points to say, is he doing one of these four things? And oftentimes the answer is, yeah, one of them. So, Right, right. I think it was very difficult <clears throat> for believers, not just new believers, but just for Christians in general, is that they think every time Paul uses the word law or says law or command, that it's always the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's always doing the same thing with it. And I, and 
you know, we need to be mindful of that. So I'm thankful for that, for that volume because of it. Yeah. I, I will also turn? hang hang on go a ahead. sec before we go on. I, I want to, you know, shameless cross promotion here on my other Whoa. podcast that I do the various and sundry podcast. We just interviewed Brian Rosner a couple weeks ago about oh. his book, um, uh, uh, how to find yourself. Why looking inward yeah. is not the answer. Really yeah. good. So I encourage people to, wow. to check out that book as well as I need to read the book. Have that. you read the book? Yeah, yeah it's great. It's sort of a like it takes it takes the stuff that Carl Truman talks about and completely makes it user friendly and accessible. <laughs> okay, good. Well, I like I like the sound of that. Yeah, yeah. What do you got next? This is going to be interesting, and it's and 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 I'm choosing this not because I recently read it, but I think because it's exemplary for what mm-hmm. other studies need to be, and that is Sam Amadi's from Prisoner to Prince. Yeah, that's good. Have you read? I don't know if you've read that, I but did, it's yep. it's on the jo- it's on the Joseph narrative and why Joseph yeah. is such a key figure in redemptive history. But the reason why I like it is not just because of its subject matter, but because it's a model for how we study these types of characters, these types of events throughout the mm-hmm. canon and being very um, in, 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 in seeing how characters and events work its way throughout the Old Testament and yep. on into the New Testament. It's just a balance and it's clear. This was a Southern dissertation. In fact, he and his brother both wrote these dissertations, Sam Amati and Matt Amati. The other one on Psalm 110, which I recently read as well. Yeah, but it's kind of cool that, they're, that their volumes are back-to-back yeah, back in the series, as brothers, yeah. Yeah, and I th- maybe they were both... I know uh, one was written under maybe... Weren't both of them under <sighs> Hamilton? Uh, under Hamilton, I think. <clears throat> and maybe Tom Schreiner was the second reader or something like that. Yeah. For both. It's something like that. But in any case, it, there's, there's Southern dissertations mm-hmm. and, but it's clear. It's up to date. It's mm-hmm. good biblical theology. I think it's, <clears throat> yeah. I, yeah. So if, if, if there are, there are those out there that are thinking of, Hey, I want to write this topic or that topic. Look at both of these. These are both good dissertations. Now they're not, copy and paste dissertations into the NSBT. I know that Don, yeah, uh, we, you know, he doesn't take dissertations, but the, it's, it, the word count is about 80,000 words and it's gotta be in this, in this type framework. So this is just a great piece to, Hey, mm-hmm. if you want to, if you want to write an NSBT volume, imitate that. I think that's yeah. a good, that's a, that's a good thing. And if you want to imitate method, Look at that from prisoner to prince. Yeah, excellent, excellent choice. Um, now we're getting into the the realm where I had difficulty picking out between multiple ones. So, right, um, I'm going to go with my next one. Here is uh, by Gary Millar, changed into his likeness: a biblical theology mm. of personal transformation, mm. and um, it's excellent and. And it's it's interesting. It's a subject that is both you know uh, theological, but also very practical in terms of 
how do we understand how we change? And what's this is sort of a unique feature of it. Uh, and again, this is in one sense outside of the scope of biblical theology, but I think it's helpful here is he has a whole um, section in here on several key thinkers within the history of the church and how they approach uh, how a person changes. So he's got, you know, little sections on, um, let's pull up some examples here. We got, you know, Jonathan Edwards, Thomas Aquinas, Augustine, uh, Thomas Chalmers. You got uh, C.S. Lewis. So just kind of some snippets in there of how um, uh, John Calvin. So just interesting use of historical theology to illuminate some of the stuff going on in biblical theology. So, um, yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it and uh, would, would definitely recommend it to others. So have you read that one? I have not. It's on my list. I've read about half of these. Yeah. And that is that is the one was one that I have not uh, gotten to. I really like I really like yours. I mean, can I can I say that the servant <laughs> of the Lord and the servant people? I mean, I'm not going to stop you. I'm not going to. Yeah. <laughs> That was published 2020. Uh, 2020. Yeah. COVID. COVID. That's, a, that's a COVID baby. <laughs> it is a COVID baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just like how you traced the theme of servant. And I know you, that's kind of been a preoccupation since your dissertation. Yep. And I'm glad that you kind of, you know, you go back into the garden and you pull it all the way to the church and tracing it yeah. through Isaiah, of course, and mostly in Paul. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's, Christ, the ultimate servant, we are, we carry his mission forward and are patterned after him. So I, again, yeah. that's just one of those volumes where if you want to know how to tease out a theme or work through a theme, go there. It's nice and balanced. I think that, that whether it's this series or other series, and this is more of, I'm speaking as an editor now, but when people give me, uh, I, I get a lot of, it's very common for me to, to get proposals, uh, book proposals. I probably see at least one or two a month. And one of my biggest complaints with these proposals generally is that they're imbalanced. It's like 80% Old Testament, 20% New Testament, or 80% New Testament, 20% Old Testament. I want to mm-hmm. see, if you're calling it biblical theology, I want to see, you know, 60-40, 50-50, somewhere in there where it's a nice yeah. balance. And I think your volume uh, is is indicative of a good of a good balance. So I appreciate your work there. Did you want to say anything about it? Uh, it was a lot of fun to write. And like you said, it was something that uh, kind of began with my dissertation work and kind of mulled it over. And, you know, it was one of those mm-hmm. things where I'm like, I think I need to write something on this. And then spent a little bit of time throwing together a proposal and sent it to, to, to Don Carson and, you know, prayed. <laughs> and, uh, Lord. yeah, he was, he was kind enough to take it. So, uh, very yeah, grateful, great. but, great. um, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. How many volumes do you think will be published in the NSBT? And it's the rest of you now, like how far is this thing going to go? <clears throat> I mean, I, I have no insider there, knowledge. Is there, but... like, is there like, let's say you're, let's say you're Don. Let's say you're Carson. 
<laughs> you're in Don's. You're in Don's chair as the editor of this thing. Yeah. Are you thinking? <clears throat> I want to do sixty more. I want to do forty more. What are you thinking? Um, I mean, I would love to see it continue. Uh, I think as long as there are quality proposals coming in that are uh, that are that are robust, like that, like you said, are holistic biblical theology, or you know, treating a particular book of the Bible, but connecting it within the canon, that sort of stuff. Um, as long as there's there's good proposals coming in, I I, I would want to see it continue uh, indefinitely. Now, th- that gets complicated maybe after 100 volumes, 120 volumes, are you getting to a point where there's not as much uh, new stuff to talk about? But, I mean, biblical theology is so big, so broad, so expansive that um, there's still an enormous amount of stuff that can be done mm-hmm. in the field. Right. If you also think about this series in general, some books are Mark's gospel, or there's yeah. a book number 62 that's coming out on the Psalms. Some are Genesis, some are Daniel. So Jim Hamilton mostly focused on Daniel. So yep. you have like books, book by book, biblical mm-hmm. theology, and then you have themes Right. And then you also have more pastoral biblical theological pieces like you just mentioned with that Millar piece. Yep. So you could you could attack this and say, all right, we don't have any we don't have any volumes on Matthew or we only have one on Acts or we only have one on (laughs) Revelation, Brian Tapp. So do you see what I'm saying? You could kind of go through the canon. Yep. And identify where the holes are. And then you could also look at it thematically and say, okay, we have three books on missions. We probably don't need another missions one. We have one on ethics or we have one on, do you see what I'm saying? So you can Mm -hmm. sketch this thing out. You can do spreadsheets on both the themes and the canon and see where the holes are and then go from there. Yeah, for sure. So all that to say is the 60, you could easily hit a hundred, I think without even breaking a sweat. I think absolutely. now whether the publisher, you know, so this is a UK IVP UK production. And since IVP UK and IVP here in the States, they, they broke off essentially that it's distributed through IVP US here in the States. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if this is a if that's a five year deal or an annual thing, but you know Crossway could be distributing this thing, or you know any other publisher could distribute it here locally. So it'll be interesting to see if IVP US continues to distribute it here, or yeah. if IVP UK um, goes with somebody else. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see what that. We'll see what happens. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, let me throw another one in here. Uh, I'm going to go with Peter Bolt, The Cross from a Distance. Oh, that's a- really good. That's on Mark. Atonement in Mark's Gospel. Yeah. Uh, also one of the earlier ones from 2004. But um, yeah, it just does a great job of helping you see how central the cross is to the entire gospel of Mark. Not just, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. oh, once you get to, once Jesus gets to Jerusalem, then the cross becomes important or it's just important with the passion mm-hmm. predictions or it's like, no, it's, it's embedded within the whole fabric 
of that of that gospel. And uh, Bolt does a great job of uh, of helping you see that from different angles throughout um, throughout the Gospel of Mark. Very good. Yeah, that's a really good one. I'm glad you brought that up. You got another one? Yeah, I'll give you. Um, I like Oren Martin's Bound for the Promised Land. Mm-hmm. That's good. I read yeah. that also while I was on sabbatical four or five years ago. And uh, what I like, there was a there was a line that he said, or maybe this was a, a couple pages, but he made the observation that in the Old Testament, the boundaries for <clears> Israel, <throat> for the land of Israel, and I can't remember if it was the land or if it was just some of the slices of the tribes, but mm-hmm. he said that there are there are times when it's amb- it's purposefully ambiguous. Yeah. Like it's, it's not hard and fast. And the yes. idea there is that the Israel's land, and this is so critical and it's just really good in his book. And I wish this is a book where I'm like, I wish there was more here as well that because Israel's land is an, it really is a, a, um, a type to use that word or pattern to an entire world, to the entire cosmos. So it's just a mm-hmm. it's just a small little piece of what is to come on a grand scale. It's meant to it's meant to be all encompassing. Do you see? Yep. It's not the land of Israel is not meant to just be this one little sliver in the Middle East, and then that's it. <clears throat> that's all. Right. That's all for all of eternity. God and humanity will just dwell in this little sliver. No, the sliver, because you hear dispensationalists tend to, they tend to think along those lines, even though they won't really say it. Mm -hmm. The idea here is that even in the Old Testament, it's looking expectantly for God's glory to inhabit all all of creation, not just a little Mm -hmm. piece of land. And I think by him making those observations about about how the land, even though the coordinates are not quite as tight as what you would think. Yeah. So no, that's a good, I don't know if you remember I, that. I don't know if you remember that mm-hmm. point in the book, but I, yeah, I, I mean, I, that one. I, I often will go back to that and he does a good job of showing how the different descriptions of the boundaries yes. are not just exactly one-to-one matched up. And it's not yes. some result of, you know, sloppy, you know, thinking it's right, actually, right. Uh, there's a theological purpose right. that there's an intentional ambiguity to suggest expansion that mm-hmm. even Israel itself, in, in terms of the, uh, the promise that God made to them, uh, through to, to Abraham, that there was an expansiveness to it, that they were to, uh, expand their dominion. Um, so that's a great point. I, that's, that's one of my favorite parts of the book. Yeah. <clears throat> Um, let's go each one more here. Let me better wrap this up. Uh, I'm going to go with, and this is a tough call because I've got four more possibilities here. Oh, goodness. But, uh, I think I'm going to go with this one. I'm going to go with David Firth, uh, including the stranger foreigners in the former prophets. Oh, that's relatively recent. That's uh, 2019. Right. And what I loved about this book is he does, a phenomenal job of helping you to see how there's way more indications of God, including non-Jews in mm-hmm. his purposes and plans than you probably realize, you know, everyone's like, a lot of people are like, well, yeah, when you get to the prophets, there's all this like, you know, anticipation of Gentile inclusion. And it's like, actually 
he makes a great case that if you read even in the former prophets, that there's all these examples of God is incorporating Gentiles into the people of God here that um, that really point forward to their full inclusion under the new covenant. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's just it's it's really well done. Pays good, careful attention to uh, literary and theological indicators. And so it's 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 it's, it's a really good volume. Right. I, that's on my list, too. And I've and I've kind of picked at that piece, but I really, really want to sit down. I've noticed. I mean, there are there are pieces even in the Pentateuch when it comes to Passover <laughs> about foreigners participating in Passover. Well, that's a fascinating. Like, wait a minute. A non-Israelite is in the home of an Israelite participating in Passover. Mm-hmm. Now, there are regulations. They need to be purified. and stuff, But sure. they're. They can do it, and they're welcome to do so. Yeah, that's a huge deal. It's not you would expect. No, you stay outside. This covenant meal is for Jews only or Israelites only, but it's not. No, come mm-hmm. on in, fellowship with us. Um, you're gonna have. You still have to. You know, you still got to obey things, but you can't just. Yeah, but they're fully included. Yes. Yeah. In in those in those <clears throat> things, so that's fantastic. The difference is. Is that you know in the Old Testament the major expectation was that Gentiles were will will join into Israel, uh, but they would have to embrace Israel's law, dress like Jews, live like Jews, eat like Jews. But then now yep. Paul's saying, no, you can be included as the Old Testament anticipated, but without really without that baggage, as it were. So yeah, but that's absolutely. a whole thing. That's a whole. Yep. Thing. There you go. You got one more, Ben. One more. Choose yeah, wisely. Man, what do I got here? What do I got here? <laughs> I want to be like Indiana Jones. Choose wisely That's and not right. poorly. That's right. Have I'll do this the, one. It, have you seen the I new Indiana did Jones see product? it. I Is saw it last good? week. Is it I good? really liked it. So here's okay. the, it's a very divisive movie. I thoroughly jo- loved it. Okay. Nikki's like, ah. <laughs> and then my students, I have some students who are like, oh, it was great. Other students are like, I hated it. I'm like, what? So just know <laughs> you're either going to love it or you're going to hate it. Yeah. It's all over the board. I'm a huge indie fan. One of my favorite series of all time. I'm really excited yeah. about Mission Impossible. I'm watching that tomorrow. Nice. I cannot wait. All right. So my final book, and it's super hypocritical because I'm only like halfway through it. Because maybe the second half is bad. I don't think it's bad. <laughs> uh, it's the canon and covenant one with Matthew oh, Barrett. Matt Barrett, yeah. It's really good. I so far my favorite part is just the beginning, how he talks about how evangelicals need to be doing not just biblical theology, but really good biblical theology. And he outlines mm-hmm. that and how one's view of scripture is tied to biblical theology and all these. He kind of gets into all these things. But it's really good. What I like about it is its clarity. It's very conservative and um I think it's just very well done. I think that's a, it's one of the best places in this entire series where it's like, okay, you need to have, you need to understand your evangelical convictions. And when you trace these themes out, because if you don't trace them out like this, you, you probably have a problem with scripture. Like it it could rest in your doctrine of scripture. So he just ties doctrine of scripture into biblical theology. And I think that's the best part. Uh, that that's my favorite part of the book. Yeah, it's it's a very good one. I I think 
did that come out last year or two summers ago? Maybe maybe two summers like, ago. Okay, I feel like I read it when it came out. So yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's twenty twenty. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Another COVID baby. COVID baby. <laughs> this is February. This is February of twenty. So this thing came out like right when COVID was hitting. Yeah, yeah. All right, Ben, we've on almost an hour, so we should probably wrap this one up. But, uh, you know, you get us talking about books and we're, we're likely to, to, to go on for a while. So, right, right. And if you are upset that Ben didn't pick your favorite NSBT volume, oh, you man. can find him on Twitter. So uh, just track him down that way, yeah. you know, send him, send him a tweet Please. saying, how could you not include and then list your favorite uh, NSBT volume. So. <laughs> <laughs> please do love to hear that's right it would just make my day I tell you what it would make my day there you go there you go <laughs> it would but, be hard i've i've wanted to ask don uh, in person of course yeah. and he would never say this no but what would he i would like for don what are your top five because you know he yeah. has them he yeah he, you know he would never tell a soul no but I would love to know, I would love to know which ones. He, I've almost thought about phrasing it like, which ones have you enjoyed the most? That's kind of a yeah. different, it's the same question, yep. asked a little bit better. Which one yep. have you enjoyed the most? So yeah. it'd be interesting to see what the architect thinks. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's right. Well, we hope you have enjoyed our discussion of uh, some, let me clarify again, some of our favorite NSBT volumes. And uh, it's good to be back in the studio with you, Ben. It's been too long since we've had a chance likewise, to Likewise, uh, likewise. So. Good to be back. Good to be yeah. back. Yeah. So uh, thanks, everyone, for joining us uh, today on the Biblical Theology Briefing Podcast. And we look forward to seeing you again in the future. Take care.